All right, I told you this was coming. This is a uh, uh, kill porn uh, before it kills you. Uh, part two, second two-part uh, little series. We've actually done five messages or so on sexual sin because I've done about three of those messages or so on Wednesday nights when we're going through First Peter chapter five, and it tells us to how to communicate with older women like they're our mothers, younger women uh, as our sisters, amen, in all purity, amen. So we did some messages on adultery and sexual sin on Wednesdays. Uh, real important uh, messages. Uh, for the practical life of the body of Christ uh, in our fellowship specifically and those listening. And by the way, praise God, we're getting a lot of really good feedback uh, from people. I saw several uh, responses to the message I did on porn that were very encouraging to people that are uh, being very thankful because it's ministering lives outside this fellowship, but part of our live stream group. So I praise God for that. And, and uh, that's really exciting to see. I really bless my heart to see those praise reports. Uh, but also... We've done two on, this will be number two, on kill porn before it kills you. And it will kill you. I mean, Satan has you in his sights. And uh, that scripture where Job is told, or I should say, when God confronts Satan, it says to him in heaven, because Satan is allowed to go back and forth right now, have you considered my servant Job? That word considered, the Hebrew word means targeted, you know. He says, how can I? You built a hedge around him. And God allowed the hedge to come up for some time to test Job. But that same Hebrew word is used of how we are being targeted by Satan in regard to uh, sexual sin. In the book of Proverbs, it talks about the woman who hunts uh, the life of a man, the seductress and so forth. We're being hunted by the enemy. But we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's more of a spiritual war. And we have to all be on our toes. We're called to be sober and be vigilant. Amen? We should be hypervigilant as Christians. We're only living once. It's a short life, and what we decide here determines where we'll spend eternity, amen? So we make decisions to not put feelings above righteousness, amen? And in the world, they just go with what they feel. Well, I feel, oh, it's popular. Look what's going on Instagram. It's popular to claim you're another sex now. Oh, you know, I want to have a sex change, or maybe the kid can barely talk, and mom sees it is in vogue, you know, and she feels, oh, I want to be in with the in crowd. It, maybe, maybe Frank wants to become Francis, Hey, you like dolls a little bit? Well, not really, Mama. Oh, he's, he's taking to it a little bit. Oh, sex change for you. Lop off your member, you know. And let's, you know, just it's gross what's going on because uh, there's a big transformation taking place in our society because of, uh, you know, cultural onslaughts that take place, the culture of death, really, because the prince of the power of the air works through the children of disobedience. And Jesus said there'd be in this increase of lawlessness and the world would be like Sodom and Gomorrah in the last days. He's revealed that to us, and lawlessness would increase. We're seeing all of that, you know? We want to make sure that we are right with God because the Bible says in 1 Peter 4 that judgment begins in the house of God, right? And if it begins in the house of God and the righteous are scarcely saved, it goes on to say, where will the ungodly stand on the day of judgment? So we have to realize that we, first and foremost, as believers, need to make sure we are right with God, amen? And that we're not playing around with sexual sin, and it's important that we realize that the scriptures say in Hebrews 13.4 that the marriage bed, the marriage bed, husband and wife, is undefiled. But fornicators, well, that's those who aren't married that just get involved in sexual sin. And adulterers, that's those who are married that break their marriage covenant. Fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. This is very, very serious. Pornography has become such a problem in our world today. But it's becoming so normalized 
They used to have more articles and more studies that would come out about the, the destructiveness of pornography. But now it's becoming so accepted in mainstream society that you don't see uh, articles as much as you think you would see anymore in, 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 in studies and publications. But the Bible warns us as Christians in Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Amen? We don't want our minds filled with garbage. Garbage in, garbage out. And it's a defiling element. How many of you knew that you had food in the refrigerator and it looked good, but you went and looked at that piece of meat and you opened it up and you realized it had been there for six months but was in back of the big jar of mayonnaise that you never use. And then you pulled it out and it was rancid. How many of you would eat it? Anyway, nobody in their right mind. What if it still looked like it might taste good a little bit? If you just miked it, man, I'll kill the germs, you know? It'll be contaminated, right? It's contaminated with it's just bacteria. It's foul. It'll, it'll hurt you really bad if not kill you. You would never do that. But how many people do worse and they'll infect their mind? They'll infect their inter- eternal soul, which has greater ramifications with pornography. So we've got to be really, really strong on this. But just not too many years ago, just, you know, eight years ago, 2016, when Trump became president, the Republican uh, platform, part of it was the call that uh, the platform calls pornography, quote, a public health crisis that is destroying the life of millions. That same year, a li- the liberal New York Times, even though it's a very liberal newspaper, produced an article with the headline, It's Okay, Liberal pa- Parents, You Can Freak Out About Porn. Meaning, you could be upset about it too because it's pretty messed up. It's destructive. It's very sick. And it's interesting because just think of the term pornography. It comes from the word porno, which means prostitute in Greek. And graphy, which is the Greek to write or draw. And so it's basically a prostitute being drawn or written about, whether it's, you know, 50 shades of gray or whatever, literature or drawings. And these things are forbidden in Scripture. The Scripture that warns about fornicators not inheriting the kingdom of God is the Greek word porneo, right? From which we get the English word pornography. The Bible warns about, we saw this last week, and a a short review, because last week I dealt with the deception of pornography. I dealt with the destructiveness of pornography. And today I want to deal with the deliverance from pornography. Amen? But I want to add a couple things into the deception or the destruction uh, that I would have wanted to say, have said last week, or last week, actually it's a few weeks ago now that we did part one, but it's interesting. And, and give you some things I didn't mention that were part of my message, uh, but the University of Montreal, and this is way back in 2013, I'm sure it's worse now, right? They, they, they tried to you know, do a huge study on those who have been involved in pornography and their brains and behaviors in contrast to those who have never, men who have never viewed pornography. Guess what? They ran into such struggle to pull this study off because they're having a hard time finding men that had not been in the pornography. That's crazy. That is sad. In fact, it's interesting because it's a very prevalent problem 
The Barnard Group survey, Barnard does more surveys than just about than probably anyone with regards to what's going on in the church. And I wanted to disbelieve this when I read it. And I hope it's off. But if it's on, man, it just tears my heart up to, to, to read this. According to a 2014 Barnard Group survey, 64% of self-identified Christian men and 15% of self-identified Christian women view pornography at least once a month compared to 65% of non-Christian men and 30% uh, of non-Christian women. So twice as many non-Christian women, but just 1% more of non-Christian men, if that statistic is right. Now, I believe the way this survey is put out is not accurate, though. Why? Because can, you be, can I be a serial killer and a Christian at the same time? Yes or no? Can I be a bank robber and a murderer at the same time? Can I be a serial adulterer on my wife and a Christian at the same time? So when this says 64% of Christian men are viewing pornography once a month, I have to call the question whether they're Christian men. Let's just be honest. Now, I'm not talking about if you've fallen short, because indeed it is every man's struggle. Every man, uh, I counsel men, I am a man, and women are beautiful to men, and men are wired in a different way uh, than women are, and women have more problems sometimes maybe, say, with gossip or other problems, but men can have problems because uh, they are wired. Not all, I'm not, I'm not saying women can't fall into this and aren't wired that way to a degree either. I mean, look at that, 15 with among Christians, professings, and 30 among the world, among women, is a problem, right, still. But it's at the same time, what I am saying is uh, men, because we are men, uh, women are beautiful to men, we have to be especially careful not to let our thoughts run amok. Amen? We have to have self-control. So, And there's a big difference from a Christian man falling short because he falls into temptation. He sees something beautiful and he has some bad thoughts. It's one thing to stumble into the mud, as we say, right? It's another thing to roll in the mud and live there with the pigs and stay there. Amen? And that's what the Bible warns about when it warns about those who fall away in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. For if after they have escaped the corruptions of the world, and earlier in that book it describes Christians as those who escaped the corruptions of the world through lust, meaning that the world's been corrupted by lust. But chapter 2, verse 20, for if after they've escaped the corruptions of the world through knowing epigenosis, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it and overcome. Not just fall short, say, God have mercy, me, get right with God. But they're overcome now. And they're back, you know, living a wicked life. It says the latter end will be worse for them than the beginning. And it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. It would be better for them not to have ever known Christ than after having known him or known it to fall, right? To go back to the world. And that's when he says, it's like in the, the two Proverbs, a dog returns to its vomit, goes back to the poison it was delivered from, and the pig to its wallowing in the mire. A pig after being washed, going back to the mud. And that's a picture of Christians being washed in the blood of Christ, but going back to the mud. So if you're saying, man, Joe, I, I feel condemned because you're talking about pornography and I've struggled. But you've struggled, but you've gotten back up. You've asked for cleansing. You repented. You say, Lord, forgive me. And you're going forward. And you're not perfect, but you're doing your best to go forward in Christ. Or you're, you are going forward in Christ. That's you're going forward. You're not condemned if you're trusting Jesus, if you ask for forgiveness. Amen? Yeah. 
But you say, wait, Joe, I'm the guy that I'm wallowing in the mud, man. I'm living a secret life. I watch porno tapes all the time, or I don't think they have porno tapes anymore, but I watch porn online or, or whatever you're doing all the time, and I just, I don't even feel like repenting. I'm just going that route. I'm not struggling and, and getting right with God. I'm just doing it, and you're making me feel condemned. I don't apologize for that. It's the Word of God that condemns you if you refuse to repent of that. You need to repent. I say this because I love you. You have to turn away from it. You have to have godly sorrow. You have to repent and realize that these sins lead to eternal death. Amen? And they talk about destruction. They lead to the ultimate destruction. 1 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 6 says, don't be deceived. Fornicators, adulterers, the effeminate, you know, homosexuals, and so forth, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And remember, Revelation 22, 14 and 15 the, the proneo, those involved in sexual sin, they will not go into the holy city. In Revelation 21.8, those involved in proneo, they go to the lake of fire. Talk about the ultimate destruction. And as a pastor, as a shepherd, I would not only be remiss, I think I'd be condemned if I didn't warn you against the dangers of pornography. Why? Because it says in James 3.1, it says, let many of you not seek to be teachers, for you shall incur a stricter judgment. Or I think the King James is a greater condemnation. I fear and tremble before the Lord, and I serve you in that way, because I love the Lord, I love you, and my heart's heart, my heart hearts does not want anyone to perish, because that's God's heart. And he's given me his heart for you. And as a shepherd, as a pastor, I have to call you to repentance, so you don't deceive yourself. And that's why Paul says, do not be deceived these folks will not inherit God's kingdom. That shows me a lot of people are deceived. And apparently, 64% of the people surveyed who were once a monthers were being deceived. Unless those once a monthers that confessed their, their sin were once a month, meaning they fell and they got back up and they're going to Jesus, right? And maybe they fall again. They say, I fall once in a while, but I, I try, I'm seeking Jesus. But it's not a practice of rebellion against God. Amen? There's a big difference. But you got to be careful because if you get used to falling and eventually your heart gets hardened, it can become a practice. And before you know it, your heart can become callous and hard and you don't repent anymore. And that would be a very, very sad thing. Very sad statistics. You know, a sicker and sadder statistic was out of 1,003, a different survey, 1,351 pastors surveyed, 54% said they had viewed internet pornography within the last year. Okay. Now, the question is, were they purposely seeking it out? Or did it just pop up? Doesn't say, you know. But still, that's an alarming number. And I, and I take the number as though it was they were seeking it out, perhaps. You know. But this is, and, and that's a, a problem because, you know, what, what was that porn site that, out, that got reviewed, everybody's name came out that was seeking it? Madison, what was it? Come on, you can say it out loud. We won't think you know you hit it. What was it? What's that? Ashley. Ashley Madison. There we go. Ashley Madison. All the men that said Ashley Madison, I want you to come up at the end of the service. And uh, <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, it was a big news story. We all heard it, you know. It outed a bunch of men that were leaders in the Christ, professing Christian church. Right? Including, I think it was, was it R.C. Sproul Jr. on that? R.C. Sproul Jr., not senior, but junior. And different leaders had to step down, you know. Sad, sad stuff, you guys. So pray for your leaders, amen? Pray for each other. We need to be praying for each other. 
So this is a prevalent problem that needs to be addressed in the church. And I address this problem a lot when I do men's retreats. In fact, I'm not the only elder or pastor that does that. Uh, our elders, we, we deal with that a lot. But sometimes, I mean, not all you go to the men's retreat, right? It's also a woman's problem, too, to a degree. And we need to be dealing with this problem. So uh, we've talked about the deception of pornography, the destruction of pornography, and all this is incredibly uh, important to deal with. We've talked about sex has its proper place in the bed, just like fire is great at a campfire. It's not great climbing up the trees around your tent or in the fireplace, but not climbing up your walls and your sofa. Sex has a, it was created by God to be a blessing in its proper place, but Satan loves to twist everything. But if you're deceived into thinking, well, I'm single. If I can't have sex, then I'm missing something. If you're single right now, you were not created to have sex right now. You're stepping out like a cancer cell in, the bo- in a human body that just goes haywire. You're going to go haywire in the body of humanity because you weren't meant to do that. You're meant to have full love, peace, and joy in Christ outside of having sex as a single person. If you're like, well, if I can't have sex with somebody besides my wife. I mean, after all, I saw that Carl's Jr. commercial. Remember that? I talked about that. Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner, the founder of Playboy magazine. See, it's destructive because it dehumanizes women, and he's munching on this whopper or something. And he says, This is, you know, when the man, and he says, You get different hamburgers here, you know, for the man that doesn't want the same kind of meat every night or something to that effect. It's like you're treating women like a piece of meat, okay? And that's, they're made in the image of God. And marriage is a picture of Christ and his bride, right? It's sacred, it's beautiful, but Satan wants to twist everything. But I mentioned last time we talked, I gave you scriptures, which I'm not going to go through now by way of review, but I mentioned scriptures that show that we're not supposed to be looking, men and women, men should not be looking at naked women that are not their wife, right? Or women looking at naked men, or men looking at naked men. I mean, the world's getting really creepy. But I mentioned last time that there's brain damage, that that pornography creates causes brain damage. And I talked to you about some of the you know, biochemistry behind that, but I, I wanted to mention to you a couple things I mentioned on one of my sexual uh, purity messages a few weeks ago, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, and this is interesting because it causes brain damage, you guys. Uh, the National Institute of Health says physically, pornography could damage five sections of the human brain. Five sections of your brain get can potentially get damaged through pornography, specifically the prefrontal, the prefrontal cortex responsible for cognition center and behavior control. And the last thing, you already are out of control when you're looking at porn, and now you're affecting the prefrontal cortex, which has to do with you having control. And you also give in to impulses, more likely, as a result of diminishing your capacity to have self-control. That was uh, from the uh, National Institute of Health. Here's another article, Neuroscience News. The name of the article is Watching Pornography Rewrites the Brain to a More Juvenile State. So if you watch pornography and you're an adult, you become like a child again in your brain. It damages your brain that much. In fact, it, it states this article, it talks about the profound effects it has on moral decision-making, uh, and s- impulses that you can succumb to versus re- regard to right and wrong that you wouldn't normally make and so forth. It says, uh, porn uses, uh, listen to this, porn use has been correlated with erosion of the prefrontal cortex 
erodes that part of your brain. The region of the brain that houses executive functions like morality, willpower, and impulse control. The article states, this is why children struggle to regulate their emotions and impulses. Children have a hard time with their emotions and their impulses. I was just watching a bunch of kids over the weekend. And man, we took them to the museum, you know. With Heather and Adam, we had them at the museum, uh, you know. So I had help with the six, but we had, you know, five at the house, you know, one of uh, Russell and then uh, we had Grant for a while too, but we had Holly and Chad were off wrestling. Not they were wrestling each other. <laughs> but that would be okay. They're married, okay? So, but they were off at the wrestling tournament. I hope you guys had a great time. I heard about some of it. That's had a great, awesome time. But uh, so we had them through the weekend. Thank, Nicolette stepped in and said, hey, can there be a slumber party? You know, uh, that, what was that, Saturday, Friday night? It was Friday night, Saturday. And they had a great time. But guess what? They were wiped out from the museum. And great, praise God, that was nice of you, Nicolette, but they were even more wiped out after they got back from Nicolette's. And they got to our house back, and it's like tears, crying, you know. Not all of them, it's a couple of them, the girls, you know. Uh, oh, no, we didn't, have a, we, didn't have, we didn't have Justice, but we had a Eli. And, you know, it was just, and I'm in my office trying to work, but I'm also playing with them and reading books to them and stuff like that. I'm back and forth doing my, to get my stuff done. And, man, it was, like, very emotional, you know, and uh, dealing with the kids, and they're just, and then they're, they're great at times. They're wonderful. Most of the time, they were wonderful, but they're just, they're, but they're kids. They get emotional, and they, they want this. I want to eat this now. Can I watch that? And, and they get all upset, and it's like, because the impulses are overtaking their sense of what's right, what's wrong, what's listening, obedience, all that. And that's what you become like when you watch porn. You give in to impulses. You throw little temper tantrums. You might be really good about hiding your temper tantrums behind a tie and everything, but your, your body, your emotions, your, your hormones, all that stuff begins to rage in ways they ought not, you know. And it can become very, very destructive. In fact, uh, it says, this is why children struggle to regulate their emotions and impulses. Damage to the prefrontal cortex in adulthood is termed uh, hypofrontality, which predisposes an individual, an adult, to behave compulsively and make poor decisions. Wow. It's somewhat paradoxical that adult entertainment, it's paradoxical, I think this is an interesting line, that adult entertainment may revert our brain wiring to a more juvenile state. The much greater irony is that while porn promises to satisfy and provide sexual gratification, it delivers the opposite. It's a lie. The fact that it's a lie, I hate being lied to you. I remember when I first uh, started seeing Lisa, we were just not even really dating at the time, but we just started grabbing a, bite, a couple bites together, and I was discipling her, and she's like, I saw your video, rock, I think it was called Rock and Roll Sources of the New Age Revolution back then, not They Sold Their Souls Rock and Roll. She goes, made me angry. I go, wow, you just don't want to give up your Marilyn Manson, huh? You know? <laughs> nah, we didn't deal with Marilyn. He wasn't even out yet. But she goes, it made me angry because these guys were all lying to me. I hate being lied to. I go, Amen. You know, she goes, and these, all these, these artists that were selling their souls and giving themselves to Satan were lying to me, making me think they're, you know. Another brother said, Joe, you exposed my best friend. Started coming to this fellowship. He's like, I go, what do you mean? He goes, I'm going down the 
rode with my best friend. He showed he was a liar. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, all this music I listen to, man. When I saw that video, I saw these guys are involved with Satan and using deception. And why do I want to listen to stuff that's based on a deception? Well, guess what? Pornography is one of Satan's lies. It's not going to gratify you. Very temporal will the fix be, but it will leave you with a greater desire and less fulfillment to where you'll become less and less happy and have more and more anxiety, more and more depression. We talked about that last week. You know, cause depression, cause anxiety. Uh, this article from Neuroscience News goes on to say, pornography satisfies every one of the prerequisites for neuroplastic change. Wow. When pornographers boast that they are pushing the envelope by introducing new, harder themes, uh, what they don't say is that they must, they have to, because their customers are building up a tolerance to the content. And that's why people that would never think of looking at bondage tapes, snuff films, kids start doing that stuff because they never thought they'd be there, but because they can't get excited anymore. And you know what you need to do? You need to repent long before you get anywhere close to any of that. Amen? Amen? Because you're going to stand before the Almighty God who's a consuming fire. And if you're preying on people through pornography, man, you're toast in the future. you got to get right. You can't play around with God. You know, the Bible says, don't be deceived. He that sows the flesh will from the flesh reap destruction. But he that sows the spirit from the spirit reap eternal life. This is serious stuff, you guys. It's really serious. And we have to get serious. Uh, it's interesting. The FBI found that 41% of all sex crimes are directly related to the use of pornography. It's almost half. 90% of child molesters admit that they first saw what they did modeled in a pornographic magazine or movie. Wow. Charles H. Keating Jr., in a report that was given to the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, said that 77% of child molesters are boys and 87% of molesters of girls admitted, admitted imitating the sexual behavior they had seen modeled in pornography. Now, I think this is interesting because why are they doing this? They're seeing this stuff, then they're modeling it. Do you think they set out to model it? I mean, you see things. Somebody, I saw something somebody sent to me uh, recently where... It's one of, one, of our, one of our family texts, shared, shared sites. Uh, and I don't know if you guys saw it. It was a CVS. And this guy's standing out there, and the mother's coming out, and her little boy's walking behind her, like five years old or so, four years old. And the dad's a little further back, but he's carrying something. And this guy evidently didn't realize that that's dad. A guy just walks into CVS and grabs this little boy, starts yanking him out. And the dad tackles him and stops him, tries to stop him. And there's a, this brawl going on, this wrestling match for a little bit. And then the guy takes off. They apprehend him a little bit later. But odds are that guy's been watching porn, got all hyped up with perversion, and tried to grab this little boy. By the way, watch your kids. Well, it doesn't happen that often. It happens often enough that you don't want it to happen to your kid, amen? Because Satan is like a roaring lion. He goes after the, the, the small ones that are, get away from the flock, man. Keep your eyes on your children, amen? Now, it's interesting. Jeffrey Dahmer, okay, he was serving a 957-year sentence before he was bludgeoned to death. And, uh, but Dahmer, uh, you know, it's interesting, he testified that he would watch scenes from his favorite pornography, quote, to, quote, pump himself up to get him in the up, a proper mood to go out and find his next victim. He'd find victims, he would rape them, he would, he would kill them, he would cook them, he would eat them. 
And he had a satanic ritual, uh, uh, ritualistic thing going on in his apartment. Amazing. Ted Bundy, uh, one of the most prominent serial killers of Amer- in America, uh, right up there with Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, killed 24 women and children. And he admitted, he said, I'm not blaming pornography, he said, but I take full responsibility for what I've done. But he says the issue is how this kind of literature contributed and helped mold and shape the kinds of violent behavior. He started with Playboy. Then he went to harder pornography. And that's before cell phones, guys, this guy. That's before the internet. And that's what it was, it was having a corrupting effect on him. And there's millions of people out there like them that just aren't killing people yet or are too afraid to go kill a kid or rape a kid. But there's millions of others who are raping children, molesting children, many that are raping women and so forth. So, and I let you know, man, you are being hunted. That woman who hunts her prey, the seductress in Proverbs, it says when she captures him, she shoots him with an arrow in the liver. I thought, that is so interesting. Because hepatitis 2 is a liver disease that's often sexually transmitted. And I gave, when, on the message of sexual purity, I went into King David, and I show you where he's groaning because of his sexual sin. And, and he, he, there's a stench that comes from his legs in that area, and his lovers stay, stay away from him because of his sin and his sickness. And I show you in Proverbs, I showed also in the book of Proverbs that it talks about the, the man who uh, engages in sexual sin. It says he's wounded. But the Greek word for being wounded there, or the Hebrew word, I'm sorry, in Proverbs, means disease or plague. I went into the word and everything. I'm not going to spend time on that. But I wanted to bring some of this to the Sunday group. This is important stuff, guys. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that he that sins sexually sins against his own body. And there's all these sexually transmitted diseases. Millions of people are dying every decade, several million people still from AIDS. You just don't hear about it. People are still dying of it. Herpes is, you know, one in four or five young people have a sexually transmitted disease. That's crazy. It's epidemic proportions, guys. Oh, and by the way, Oh, I'm committing adultery, but I know the woman I'm with. I'm safe, man, because she doesn't have a disease, and, and I don't have a disease. Well, really? Think about this, man. And this is what I shared a few weeks back, about a month ago. Uh, I'll share just a little bit of it, because I thought it was really interesting. A 2009 Italian study found that men in long-term extramarital relationships were more likely to have heart problems. Isn't that interesting? Also, this is, it gets even more interesting. A 2012 study by the University of Florence found uh, that for men, quote, infidelity outside the home as associated with, is associated with a higher risk of major cardiovascular event, including fatal heart attacks. That's an article I read, cheating study. Men who cheat are more likely to have heart attacks. The Huntington Post, May 24, 2012, interestingly stated this, quote, sudden coital death is more common uh, when the man is having extramarital sex in an unfamiliar place than when he is having sex with his spouse at home. The CDC found, it analyzed autopsy reports and found, listen to this, 75%, 75% of people who died of a heart attack during sex were having extramarital sex at the time of their death. Think about that, guys. 
especially because most men, when they're having sex, they're having it with their wives, so it's a smaller percentage that are having extramarital sex, yet the heart attacks during sex is 75% of them are those that are committing adultery. Think about that. Could you imagine, man? You're in an adulterous relationship. You have a heart attack, and that's your funeral is based on that. And then even worse, you stand before God on the day of judgment, the great right throne judgment, man. You're standing before God, and the books are open. Your name is not written in Lamb's Book of Life because you were never saved or you got blotted out. Because Revelation 3, verse 5 indicates you can be blotted out. And guess what? You're standing there, and it says the books are open, and, they're, and all the things you've done that deserve hell, that you rejected Jesus, you're paying for them yourselves. The last thing you is read off that list, the last thing you did, if, that, if it happens that way, we don't know exactly how it happens, the last thing off that list before you're thrown in the lake of fire, committing adultery, dies, heart attack during adultery, you're whisked in the lake of fire, okay? Oh, that happens to other people. It'll never happen to me. That's such so arrogant, man. Again, to be not deceived. God is not mocked. In fact, if you're arrogant, you're even more likely to go that way or some way like that. Well, I don't think, you know, I'm going to die that way. I'm not saying you are. You might just die of AIDS or you might just die of, you know, something else. God might just take you out anyway. If he knows you're not going to repent, why let you continue to live? Turn right now from sin. Amen. Sin kills. We need to hate sin and love God. Amen. Sin is deadly. You know, and, and, and it needs to be warned about. Yes, I have been praying uh, for these messages that God would motivate people to repent and get right with him and not, not play around with God. Okay? We need to make sure that we are right with God. Now, deliverance from pornography. Deliverance from pornography. You need to make a choice. Because Jesus said, He that's not with me is against me. He that gathers not with me scatters abroad. So if you're not with Jesus and you're doing your own thing, you're scattering. You're having a bad effect. In fact, you're not part of the solution to help women and children who are being trafficked. Many, as we saw last time, are committing suicide. They're being trafficked. They're being raped, women. And when you watch pornography, you're contributing to that industry. Okay? You're contributing to it. And you will either, as I've said, you either pray for women and children, or you'll prey on women and children, okay? You need to choose to be a protector, not a predator, amen? This nation that we're in is filled with predators. They're in the White House, right? They're all about making sure that we can not only promote sexual perversion and, you know, and, and, and forwarding the LGBTQ, you know, agenda, but they also want to keep it Keep, and the product of sexual sin is so often babies, but they don't want the life where they just want to have fun, untethered from a re- commitment and relationship. So they want to make sure you're able to butcher your babies freely by the millions. We live in a wicked, perverse world, guys. And that blood of those babies is crying out. A lot of that, that blood is a result beginning with sexual sin. So you, that, when I talk about being a protector of women and children... And not a predator. I'm talking about kids are being destroyed in ways that you don't even tie into sexual sin. But millions and millions of babies have been butchered because of sexual sin. Do you realize that? Because someone said, well, if I get her pregnant, we'll just kill the baby. Oh, they don't want you to kill the word baby. Oh, and I'm not committing adultery. It's just an affair. Oh, it's not murder. It's just aborting a fetus. No, you're killing a child. 
okay? And we can try to candy coat it as much as we want, but when we stand before God, there'll be no candy coating going on. So we need to make sure we confess our sins. If you, if you, you, you want deliverance, then you need to confess your sin, right? Homo legao is a Greek word, confess, means to say the same thing as God says about your sin. Call it sin and, 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 and turn from it. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? That's a beautiful promise. You want to be cleansed of all your sin? You say, I feel guilty because I've fallen recently or whatever. You can be cleansed right now. Just say, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me, and he will forgive you. And then repent, you know? Have a right heart. Begin walking in the light. Because right before that, in chapter 1, verse 7, it says, if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen? That's a beautiful, beautiful promise. But if you say, no, that's not really sin. God understands my weakness. Woo! Verse 8, right after that, it says, if we say we have no sin, we're liars, and the truth is not in us. Don't lie to yourself. Don't deceive yourself. Amen? Get right with God while you have an opportunity to get right. Amen? Confess and repent because it says in Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them. Part of confessing is to forsake them. doesn't mean, oh yeah, I, I view this pornography that I'm watching wrong, Lord. I, I, I confess that it's wrong, but you continue to watch it. That's not true confession. It says he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. That's Proverbs 28, 13. Another thing to keep in mind for deliverance from pornography, and this all help you, is remember that you, as a believer, as a Christian, if you're not a Christian, confess Christ and repent and cry out to Jesus who died for you and put your faith in him and you'll be forgiven. He'll come to live in you. Amen? Amen. And believe that he died for you and rose again and, and put your trust in him. Have repentant faith. And if you've just become a believer recently, then he lives in you. If you're already a believer, then the Holy Spirit lives in you. Amen? And you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Remember the, in the Old Testament, God had the temple he had them build, right? Got destroyed and rebuilt, right? Destroyed, rebuilt again. Uh, then it'll destroyed and it'll be rebuilt again. And the Antichrist will sit in the temple. But right now, you guys, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit as a church. Okay, the, the, the physical temple is coming. But right now, spiritually, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That was a picture of God wanting, God wanting nothing unclean. No evil thing was allowed to come into the temple. You couldn't bring evil things to the temple. Amen? Well, guess what? You and I are the temple now. God doesn't want us to bring evil things into the temple. Amen? Amen. By the way, are you like, okay, just finish this message. I'm tired of it. Are you glad I preached this way? Amen. Okay. Well, most of you, hopefully everyone's happy we're talking this way. I, I can't talk any way but this way. Because my heart is held captive by God and his spirit and his word. And I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, you know. And can you imagine going into the physical temple in Israel after Solomon had made it? And there are all these sections all over that the priests were reading all these books that were filled with pornography. Would that be allowed? No. That would be horrible. That's not allowed in our temple either images, pictures, and so forth. Uh, in fact, it's interesting. In the book of Ezekiel, God's priesthood had become corrupt. The Barna survey of the priests back then would mirror what you see with a lot of professing pastors today, perhaps. 
A lot of them were involved in smut. They were worshiping idols. And you know what? We're told that God takes Ezekiel the prophet, and he takes him to the temple, and he shows him a little hole in the temple. He goes, look and see what the priests are doing. And they're committing acts of abominations. And then he says, look over here. And he showed him greater abominations. And then he showed him greater abominations. And there was all this sexual perversion associated with the worship of false gods. That's what's going on in our country right now. People are worshiping new age gods and crystals and pyramids and the universe and the creation rather than the creator. And they think anything goes. And in the King James, it talks about these, the temple and what they're seeing as chambers of imagery. Chambers of imagery. And you are a temple. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. There should not be images that are evil in your temple. Amen? Because just as God knew exactly what the priests were doing and he showed it to Ezekiel, God knows exactly what you're thinking. Oh, and he knows our problem. He knows. Uh, d- just before the flood, it says the thoughts of the human beings were wicked continually. Then after the flood, he tells Noah that he knows, he's aware that from youth, the, the thoughts of the children of men from young, from young life are wicked continually. So if you're like, man, I'm a horrible person, I, 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 guess what? That's the human race. We're all fallen without Jesus, amen? But when you come to Christ, he gives you a new heart, amen? He gives you a new mind. You put on righteousness, amen? He renews your mind by the work of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Word of God. But if you're not embracing Jesus and you're not pursuing Jesus, you're going to be overcome by wicked and pornographic images. That's the fallen state we're in without Jesus. We all need Jesus. I need Jesus. Before I knew Christ, I was lost. My mind was perverse. My mouth was in the gutter. I would tell evil jokes along with my buddies and cut up and was the, did bad things, you know, just like everybody else. But Jesus changed my life. And the Bible says if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away and all things have become new. That's who we are in Jesus. There's still a battle that will rage at times. But we must walk in the Spirit. We must seek the things above. We must pursue Jesus, amen, so that we can have victory over these evil things. You can't just sit there at home or wherever you're at and just give up. You have to go forward in the Lord and, and, and fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you fear God and relate to him and fear him the way you ought to and love him the way you ought to, you're going to want to please him, amen? And he's going to give you the strength to overcome sin. So it's important that we get this, guys. And we need to recognize that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In fact, 1 Corinthians 16 if you could go there, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, chapter 16, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, right after, a few verses after, he says, don't be deceived. Adulterers and fornicators and effeminate men that want to be women and homosexuals will not inherit God's kingdom. Just a little bit after that, he gives this in verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are what? Members of Christ. Shall they then take away the members of Christ and make them the members of a prostitute? Remember, porno is a prostitute. And pornography is a form of glorifying and engaging in uh, sexual sin with a prostitute. Wait, wait, if it's just with my heart and, not, and not my eyes, I'm not doing it physically. You know, Jesus said you can commit adultery by lusting for women in your heart. Amen? Matthew chapter 5. He says, you make them the members of a prostitute. May it never be, verse 16. Or do you not know that The one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her. For he says, the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. What does a flea do? 
Fleece can take off pretty quick when you try to get them on. That's how we should be with pornography. Out of here. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man, the sexually immoral man, sins, what? Against his own body. This is more biomedical pre-science, by the way, guys. Or do you not know that, the immoral, um, that your body, I'm sorry, is what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you're not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, what? Glorify God in your body. God made your body. Amen. That body's going to be resurrected. Jesus paid for our sins to redeem us. Amen. And this is not a warning to non-Christians, is it? It's warning to Christians who could fall into sexual sin. To not be deceived. They will not inherit God's kingdom. And they could actually go into prostitution and stuff. And many professing Christians have done that. It's heartbreaking. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says this. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy. God will destroy what? Him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Let no man deceive himself. Wow. Well, he's talking about the temple being the church. So yeah, he is. But we're part of the church, and we're part of the temple, and our bodies are part of the temple. And he already said that if we sin sexually, we sin against ourselves. Amen? And we're destroying the temple. And if we destroy ourselves, there's that application. If we're sinning sexually, we destroy ourselves. And it says, actually, not that we just destroy ourselves, but it says God will destroy him. That's verse 17. Brothers and sisters, should we, ought we not take this seriously? Yes. We should take this super seriously. So you're the temple, man. God sees our thoughts. He sees our thoughts. And we're supposed to... I love Philippians. Listen to this. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable... Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and there's a lot of these things, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Dwell on these things. And we start to forget all the beautiful things. And once you start getting in junk, you don't recognize the beautiful things as beautiful anymore. You ever start, you ever get that sweet tooth and you start eating too many sweets? And just Pop-Tarts. We don't have Pop-Tarts in my house, but I love Pop-Tarts. It's been years, but I'm just, I don't know why I'm thinking of them. You know? I'm thinking of them about a year or two ago. I saw some, we were cleaning the garage, and I saw some there, and I'm like, I threw them out. You know, Because those, oh man, those are just, you know, they're so good when they're just you know, not quite burnt, but just brown. But you know, Pop-Tarts, candy, cake, pie, ice cream, whatever. You start eating that every day. Not only is it super bad for you to eat that every day, but you start losing your desire for what? Fruit. Fruit. Fruit is so good. And it's so good for you. It's like God's candy. Amen. Chad's on the carnivorous diet, and, and Justice does a lot of that with him, man. And they eat meat and fruit, man. And how dare he eat meat and fruit? Just all that. Just why doesn't he give him a bunch of candy and kill him? You know? It's like, think about it. I might have my kid eating a lot of fruit and meat than candy all day long, right? But uh, anyway. He doesn't make justice do that. Justice just loves to follow his dad's example. It's a good example, Chad, you know. Not saying you should throw veggies in there sometimes, bro, but hey, anyway. <laughs> and nuts. No, it's okay. There's arguments both ways on all these things. But anyway, uh, we're, we got to keep in mind, man, you start to lose your flavor for fruit, and there's so much good fruit. 
And we have access to it all year long now. The old days you didn't. Summer, you know, certain fruit only. Wow. But the same thing happens with a lot of things in life spiritually. You give yourself over to sin, you start recognize, not you fail to recognize the beauty out there spiritually. Man, but when you're seeking the things of the Lord and you're immersing yourself in the beauty of the Lord, you don't want those things because you're satiated with what's good. But if you don't get satiated with what's good, you'll pursue the lust of the flesh and you'll have unsatiable desires. You'll never be satiated. We need to, we need to pursue righteousness and goodness. Amen? Amen? And don't fuel. Don't fuel the fire. Don't fuel the fire. The Bible says if fire goes out, for lack of fuel, Proverbs 26, 20. A fire goes out for lack of fuel. Well, don't fuel your desire. Don't have, if, if you got internet and it's got access to porn, get rid of the internet. I, have, I need to use the internet. Well, then use filters. There's filters that you can just, every computer comes with filters. You just put the no porn filters on or whatever they're called. Okay? You know, are you with me? So put filters on your computer. Oh, I do, but then I go and I take them off eventually. Well, then you know what? Get rid of your computer. Well, I need it for my job. Get another job then. I'd rather see you in heaven than say, I didn't want to lose my job. Okay? But if you're that serious about it, you could just simply put filters on your computer and be serious. Amen? Um, cable TV. Sometimes you need to get rid of your cable TV. If you can't be responsible and you're looking up things that now you can access through cable TV. We need to do radical things. Why? Because Jesus said that. Listen to what he said in Matthew 20, chapter 5, verse 27. He says, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, says Jesus. This is the one we follow. This is our maker. This is our Lord and Savior. This is one that died to redeem us. Amen. This is our commander-in-chief. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if you're even your eye, Jesus says, so if your eye uh, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, right, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. You think, Oh, Pastor Joe is really, really strong today on this issue. I think he was going overboard. Have I said anything beyond what Jesus says right here yet, guys? Yes or no? No, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the one we claim to follow, is super strong on these issues. Amen? Amen. He is, there's a broad road that leads to destruction, and many are on it. That's why the statistics are horrible with regard to the church, because a lot of what causes itself the church is not the church. We're on the narrow road that leads to life. His name is Jesus. I read a story some time ago, a gruesome story, uh, Aaron Ralston, and he was uh, canyoneering over in uh, the uh, Blue John Canyon over in Utah, and all by himself. And he was in the canyon, and a big boulder came down, and he tried to evade it, but it crushed his arm, and he was alone. And his water was still with him, and he was slowly dying of thirst. He was sipping on his water slowly, and it lasted him five days, and it was gone. He knew nobody was around, you know. He got his, you know, the multi-tool, like, Swiss army knives. He had one of those. And he literally crushed his arm to get the radius joint broken and began to take a dull blade and try to sever his arm. He was able to sever a lot of his arm. He took the pliers in this multi-tool and began to pull the tendons apart. And then he was set free. 
And then he had to, uh, which is kind of, this is crazy, he had to careen, you know, rappel 65 feet down a sheer wall. What a stud. You know, I'm like, wow, that's impressive. Now, that's extreme. How can he go to such extreme measures? Because measures, it was a matter of life and death. Amen? Porn is a matter of life and death. You need to take extreme measures. Okay, Joe, I'm turning the message off right now. I'm going to go look for a pocket knife and cut off my arm, like you said, and cut out my eye. Now, that's not what Jesus is saying there, okay? How do you know he's not saying that? Cut out your eye. Because if you have a problem with porn and you cut out your eye, what's going to happen? You still have another eye. The problem's in your heart. And he's talking about, he's talking about take radical measures to get out of the habit of trying to pursue women that do not belong to you. Wait, I'm single. I can't pursue a woman to get married. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sexually pursuing a woman that is not your wife, just so you could be with her, whether it's in your heart or in physical practice. It's serious. You need to take radical measures. Amen. So the next, so that's one another application. Be radical, man. Deal with the pornography that you may get. Well, I don't have it on my phone. I don't have the cable, but I stopped by this place. Don't go by that place anymore. Amen? Well, I like to just circle it. If I'm struggling, I, only, I hardly ever eat donuts. I just was deadly for me, right? I love donuts too. But if I'm constantly circling Winchell's donut shop, <laughs> I'm going to have a hard time making right decisions. Amen? There's a place I eat sometimes, in a, and there's a donut shop right next to it. Anybody know what place I'm talking about? Come on, Emma, you know the place I'm talking about. And the lady comes in a lot. If I'm in there, she'll come in, and we're always really nice to each other. And I used to go there years ago once in a blue moon. Now I hardly ever, ever go there. Not that I'll never eat a donut, but I'm like, and, um, and she'll see me, and I always feel bad because I don't go there anymore because I just donuts, you know. And she's so sweet, this Asian lady. But uh, you just have to set your mind like, I'm not going to the donut shop. But the guy that owns the restaurant is like, Joe, why don't you always, why don't you just park it for the donut shop? That spot's always open. I do back into it sometimes. I back into it, back to it, and just walk to the restaurant, you know? So you got to just take action, amen? Same thing with pornography. You need to do the same thing. You need to put your back to it, amen? Another thing is uh, keep your eyes on Jesus. Seek Jesus and keep your eyes on him. The Bible says to keep your eyes on Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12, the author and the finisher of faith, amen? Keep your eyes on him. Because he's a forerunner who's gone before us, amen? We had the grandkids over at a museum, and it's really kind of more of a place where they, kind of a jungle gym kind of thing, huge place, Santa Monica area, and they were having a great time. But uh, at that moment, I had Galilee. I was switching from kid to kid, and, and Galilee was this big net you can climb through, and then you climb down it. There's little chambers you climb down, and I'm watching her climb down, and then I said, try to go back up, you know? And the first level, she could make it because it wasn't that hard, grabbing the net and stuff. The second one was just too high. And I encouraged her. She's a tough little girl. I'm like, gal, just keep trying. You could do it. You could do it. And she was starting to give up. But I know she'd have a great time if she could finally get up there and then go down the other way. And then I saw Eli. I go, Eli, come here. Go in there and get up. Go up, go up the, uh, those chambers and show Galilee how to do it. He goes right before her. He, she sees him doing it, and she follows him. She had some difficulty, but she was able to do it. And that's what we do. We look to Jesus. He's gone before us. Amen? He battled every temptation, was tempted every way, the Bible says, like unto us yet without sin. Amen? So we follow the path of righteousness. We follow Jesus, who's gone before us. Amen? He faced temptation. Every temptation, it says, he faced, but he had victory. 
But I'm not Jesus. That's right. But if you're a Christian, he lives in you. Amen. And he will empower you and strengthen you to give you victory. So you follow his example. You follow his word and you depend on his power. Amen. You got to make sure you're not double-minded. Amen. Uh, purpose in your heart. Don't be double-minded. The Bible says the double-minded man will receive nothing from the Lord. Purpose in your heart to do what's right. You need to decide in your heart right now. I'm deciding to do what's right. I'm, it's non-negotiable. Just like I don't rob banks. Just like I don't beat up little kids in the parking lot. I don't look at porn. You need to look at it as being that serious. Look what it says Daniel. Daniel was one of the few people that you don't see any sin recorded in his life. Not that he was sinless. He wasn't. But we read of Daniel that he purposed in his heart to do what's right. We read in Daniel 1.8 that Daniel, quote, purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. You need a purpose in your heart. I will not defile myself. Okay? Don't get drunk. Don't smoke pot. Don't do drugs. Because what drugs do, they open you up to other sins. Do you know people who do meth? Many times when I was studying the meth problem, I got several books on meth, meth because it became a big problem. And, I was, the, and it was interesting. The guys that are in meth, they'll have homosexual relationships while they're in meth. But then after the relationship is over and they're not in meth, they'll go back to their wife. And they get all these weird feelings. I'm like, yeah, sexual perversion. It's, it's pharmacaea, you know. And a lot of times they don't end up going back to their wives eventually. Alcohol says don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Alcohol, it says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to license or lasciviousness or debauchery. That means, that means to, like license to just be a pig morally. Alcohol does that. That's why the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Satan loves to make you unsober. And the Greek word translated sober there can refer to being excited, not even with alcohol or drugs. Just a, an emotional person that's excitable, that's not grounded. Okay? And you got to be careful that you're a rational person that focuses on Christ and is settled on the rock. Amen? But the word is also used for drunkenness, uh, that being the opposite of drunk. Anything that would cause you not to be sober, that Scripture speaks against. He wants us to be sober-minded. Amen? Uh, also, pray. Well, this is, a, this, is a, this is a huge one right here. Is Make a covenant with your eyes, men and women. We see some women have this problem too. Make a covenant with your eyes. Because guess what? Sin and temptation often starts with something the enemy dangles before us. Eve, it says, saw that the fruit, she saw with her eyes that the fruit would be good for eating. Right? What did Lot do, man? What did his wife do? She looked back and looked at Sodom. Then she was destroyed. Right? We've got to watch ourselves. What, did, what happened to Solomon lusted for all these women. It cost him his life. What did uh, what happened with you know Samson lusting for Delilah, and he his eyes were gouged out. The irony again, right? Loses his eyes. Very interesting. Uh, also, listen to what Job says. Men, sisters, listen to this. I have made a covenant with my eyes. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? The word covenant there speaks of self-determination. You know, I've determined within myself not to lust for women. And the best way to do that is to keep your eyes on Jesus and go forward in Jesus. And if you're going forward to Jesus and seeking him out and you're following him and you're working and you're being productive as a human being, you're not going to have time for pornography, amen? Because you're doing the things of the Lord. You're pursuing Jesus. Next, pray. 
Pray, amen. Are you praying? What did Jesus teach us in the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our daily bread, right? Forgive us our sins. We forgive, you know, on and on. But he also said that we're supposed to pray this. Lead us not into temptation. What? Deliver us from evil. How important is that? In Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, Jesus said to his apostles in Gethsemane, he says, pray that uh, you do not enter into temptation. For the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Amen? Our flesh is weak. We have no victory outside of Christ. But if we pray and we ask God for power and strength, he gives us the victory, amen? He gives us empowerment to overcome sin. So you can hear everything else I hear, and you can do, uh, that's encouraging, that's a lot of good things, a lot of good application to this message for my struggles. But you don't pray, you're going to fall flat on your face. You have to rely on the Lord's power. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, that you don't enter in temptation, Right? Not just once, but twice. The Lord's Prayer, it's like a daily thing, right? I pray that all the time. And I, I, I personally give credit to not only the Lord's Word and His grace, but what He's taught about prayer for giving me victory through my walk in Christ, because I pray all the time. Lead, us, lead me not into temptation, Lord. Deliver us from evil. And then He said the second time, pray that you do not enter into temptation because the Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. In other words, we, our flesh is weak. We will not have victory. And by the way, they fell asleep, they didn't pray, and they all denied the Lord. Peter denied them three times. Amen? Amen? So if you do not pray and seek the Lord, you'll end up denying Him, if not with your mouth, with your lifestyle. Because it says in Titus 1.16, they profess to know Him, but by their what? Works they deny Him. Listen to this. I love this. Because there's saving grace. We were talking about this Friday at our home group that we just did at the Nessian house. And we were talking about the importance of prayer and so forth. And how there's saving grace, but there's also enabling grace. We're saved by God's grace through what Jesus did on the cross. Amen? His precious blood. But there's also God's grace that enables us, empowers us by His Holy Spirit to give victory over sin. And look at what God says about that enabling grace for you and me. Are you struggling? Do you need help? Are you in time of need? Listen to what he says. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was at all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God's inviting you to, act, to go to his throne with confidence because Jesus went before you, paved the way, died for you, and because he wants you to have victory. He doesn't call it the throne of wrath, the throne of dirty looks. Oh, how are you here again? No, it's the throne of grace, man. He can't wait to empower you to be victorious because he wants you to be victorious. God's for you. The Bible says God's for us. Who can be against us? Amen. Next, next application. I've given you like 10 already, I think. Romans 6.11, in the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Recognize that your old man has been crucified with Christ on the cross, amen? That that's not the life we're supposed to be living anymore. Live your life for Jesus. Just trust him and believe what he says and follow him and he'll give you victory. And on top of that, next application, put on the new man. Colossians 3 talks about how we're supposed to put on the new man. How we're, we're new, but guess what? Put off the old man, it's like clothes, you know, that's the imagery God uses in, in Colossians 3, Ephesians 4. You're supposed to take off the old man, sin and, and anger and hatred and lust. Take off that, put it off of you. But then you're supposed to put on the new man, the things that have to do with newness of life. Love, right? Kindness, goodness, these things. In fact, listen to what it says in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. It says to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on 
the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, let each of you, you must put off the falsehood and speak truth to his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. So we put off the old man. We put on the new man. What's the new man? The new man is Jesus. We put on Jesus, man. Amen? Do you know what it means to put on the new man? It means to put Jesus on. Paul says to be clothed in the armor of Christ. Put it on Jesus, Romans 13. Amen? Resist the devil. James in chapter 4, verse 7, 8 says to humble yourselves. Humble yourselves, by the way. Humble yourselves. He says, humble yourselves in the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. And he'll give you grace. Amen? It says, resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. You say, Joe, man, my mind's distorted because of pornography, and the enemy won't leave me alone. Well, guess what? Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you, because there's a spiritual war. Amen? And take up your spiritual weapons and put on the spiritual armor in Ephesians 6. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not physical, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Amen? So use the name of Jesus and cast down dirty thoughts when they come into your mind. Amen? You use the powerful name of Jesus, you engage in spiritual warfare, and you take up the full armor of God. Amen? And you resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You get involved in fellowship. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. When you're around other brothers and sisters in Christ, you strengthen each other. Remember Hebrews chapter 2? Remember Hebrews chapter 10? Having to do with fellowship? We just had a study on that. So I'm not going to go back and rehearse all those, mess, those, those, those words. But fellowship strengthens you. You encourage one another daily so you don't get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Make sure you're around your brothers and sisters in Christ. And make sure you're not just there to be there. Make sure you're there prayerfully to be an encouragement to them and to accept encouragement from them. Amen? Read God's Word. Read God's Word. What have we been doing all day together? Listen to Psalm 119, 9 and 10. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your Word. I seek you with all my heart. I do not let, uh, do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your Word in my heart, so I will not sin against you. What's he doing? He's memorizing the word. He's hiding his word, God's word in his heart. Memorize the word of God. Amen. Uh, meditate on his word. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, and you shall observe and to do all according to what is written in it, for then you will make your way, I will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, and uh, uh, set foot on the path of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the streams of water, yielding its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither and who, prosper, who prospers in all he does. Amen. Walk in the power of the Spirit. Listen to this one. Walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16. Paul says, I say walk then. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these two are contrary to one another, so that you will not do the things that you wish. But guess what he says? If you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh, and you'll get victory. How do I walk in the spirit? You pray, as we talked about, amen. You keep saying God's word. You stay in fellowship. You can do all these things we're talking about. And then, as it says in Jude, verse 20, praying in the Holy Spirit, amen. You pray in the Holy Spirit. And, you, and he says, pray in the Holy Spirit that you may keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy to be delivered at the end. And unto him who is able to keep us from falling, he goes on to say. Well, there's so many wonderful things. Just a couple more. Seek the things above. 
Colossians 3.1 says, Therefore, if you have been raised together with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Live for Jesus. Amen? Why are you here this morning on a Sunday morning? Because you want to seek Jesus. Amen? Just keep seeking Jesus all the time. And the more you seek him, the more you have victory. Amen? And the last thing I'll say is fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus, man. How do you fall in love with Jesus? The, there's an old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. It's probably true with a lot of people, with a lot of people, but it's not true with God. The more you become familiar with Jesus, the more you love him. The more you realize who he is, all the pictures, all the types, all the words of God reveal his beauty to us like a diamond that you turn that's constantly refracting these beautiful rainbow colors. That's just a picture of Jesus, man. And you get more and more victory. The more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you don't want to sin against him. The more you hate sin, the more you love him. And today, Christianity has become a joke. I mean, there's a mega church in the news that has like 40,000 members. Huge. And they made the news Sunday because they have a Super Bowl party and they do just all these weird things to attract people, to tickle their ears, to get them in there. And one of their Super Bowl parties, they took a replica of a football. Look, just, it's just, but it's a Bible. It's a Bible with pigskin on it. Appears to be, right? It's a, a replica. And guess what? They flipped a coin between two people. The one that lost the coin flip had to, had to punt. Had to kick, actually. And the person goes, and they stick that, that Bible deal there, and she kicks it, man. And everybody's like, yeah. What if you saw me take this Bible and just kick it? Oh, no, it's just a, a football, guys. I'm just pretending it's football. Would that be good? I, my, that literally brought tears to my eyes. I thought, man, those people do not fear and love the, the Lord, man. Not all of them, but I'm sure there were some people like, how could you do that? I would have walked out at that point. I would have rang the pastor leader. Or whatever. That's wicked. How can you do that? The Bible says, this is the one to whom I, I look, the one who trembles and fears at my word. Amen. He says he puts his word as high as he puts himself. Amen. Puts it right with him because it's his word. You can't trifle with things like that. You have to fear and love the Lord. This is God's love letter to us. Amen. And the more you read God's word, the more you pray and seek him, the more you think about what Jesus did on the cross, lovely things, truthful things, praiseworthy things, honorable things, that he was crucified because he loves you and made you and wants to redeem you. And he didn't deserve it. You deserved it. The more you think about that, the more you hate the idea of sinning against him. Amen. And the more you hate evil and the more you don't want anything to do with pornography, fall in love with Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Let's all please stand and we'll pass out the cup and the bread.